0: Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Kublaup campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Folk, uh, today we start a, a new series, and uh, the series is called Submerged. Submerged. Today I'll deal with, um, with Jonah and the big fish. Uh, next week, uh, I'll deal with uh, the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and that relation uh, to water. And then in John chapter 21, uh, I'll deal with uh, Peter fishing and Jesus reinstating Peter uh, and the the different uh, four Greek words for love uh, that uh, Jesus interacts Peter with. And then uh, the final week, uh, Michael will deal with Uh, Paul and him being shipwrecked so it's all got to do with water but today uh, Jonah and the whale let me tell you a bit of a joke a third grade teacher was teaching her class about the fish kingdom she told her class that it's not possible for a fish to be large enough for someone to live inside it he lived in uh, so Johnny raised his hand and said oh yes ma'am what about Jonah he lived in the body of a great fish for three days and three nights. The teacher said, well, Johnny, I'm sorry, that's not true. That's just a myth. It's a fairy tale. It really didn't happen. And Johnny boldly said, oh, yes, it did. And when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. His teacher said, well, what Jonah? If what happens if, uh, sorry, what, Johnny, what happens if Jonah is not there? And Johnny said, well, then you are able to ask him. And so perhaps you can relate to the Sunday school uh, teacher telling her students about the story of Jonah and afterwards she said, now boys and girls, what did we learn about the story of Jonah? Little girl raised her hand and said, we learned that people make whales sick. (laughs) And another little boy raised his hand and said, we learned that you can't keep a good man down. But we think about the story of Jonah and we think... um, that, well, it's a story about a big fish, but there is something way deeper uh, than just a fish story. And I really believe that it's the true account of revival, how God calls individuals to go and change a nation. And as that nation gets changed, there seems to be a bit of a ripple effect. And so today, it's about being called as an individual and how revival comes to my heart first and then as that spreads, so people's lives, nations can be changed because of one person. We know in in Jonah chapter one, the word comes to the Lord and instructs Jonah to go to Nineveh and speak a word to the king there. Nineveh being an evil and wicked city, God calls Jonah to go there We know that Jonah doesn't wanna go. Uh, He wants to go somewhere else and he disobeys God in the whole process. He forgot about Psalm 139 where it talks about God knowing every single place that we are, that if we go to the depths of the earth, God is with us. And so uh, Jonah wants to reject this call of God on his life. He forgets that the presence of God is all around him. And so he lands up in a boat away uh, from going to Nineveh. And a storm arises, and while he's fast asleep, they cast lots. And in casting lots, each of these uh, sailors pray to their own god, small g. And the lot falls on Jonah. That he's the reason why the storm arises and why they might drown. And so they throw him overboard, and a big fish Swallows him. When they throw him overboard, the storm calms and their boat is safe. And Folk, I don't know if you believe the story, whether it's a whale or anything, but I know it wasn't a barramundi that swallowed Jonah. And I really believe it as a theologian, I really believe it was a big fish that swallowed Jonah. Why? Because the word of God says it. And the reason I believe that, that it must have been a big fish and I have to believe it, because if I don't believe it, then how can I believe in John 3:16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For for you and for me, so we won't perish, but we can have everlasting life. I really believe it, that it's a big fish, and it's true. Here, eventually he gets spat out, spat out covered uh, in seaweed and in kelp, and so... Because of his negligence, he repents and goes on the right way. And so there's a major lesson for each and every one of us and certainly a lesson for our nation today. As God spoke through those minor prophets six, seven, eight hundred 800 years ago, God speaks to this very day the same message for each and every one of us. And so I pick up the story from Jonah chapter 3 verses 1 to 10. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Friends, many theologians believe that the revival in Nineveh is one of the greatest revivals in living history. One of the greatest revivals in living history. Here is a wicked uh, and pagan king living in a wicked and pagan land, and leading those people, and so all they deserve is judgment. But instead, God uses one man, a man who was totally disobedient in the beginning, and goes and allows that nation to change, and how that ripple effect begins to impact people. So that's the message for us today, for us as individuals, because revival, starts in the individual's heart, and so the fire can begin to spread. As long as we are open to that, God can use us to accomplish great things. You see, there's a difference between my agenda and God's agenda. And as I line up with God's agenda, so God uses me in interesting ways. Folks, we live in in an amazing country, we've complained about a terrible week of heat. Not once have we ever had to put a mask on. I don't know about you, but I've been whinging the whole week. Lord, the solar panel of mine is getting too hot, it's overheating. God, what's going on? But folk, at the end of the day, it's not about the condition of the heat or anything like that, it's the condition of my heart, number one, and where we are spiritually as a nation. Morality is rife in our country. Although it's an amazing country, morality is not the best. And it's probably because we are not standing in the gap and trying to interact with people. Our behavior is not the best. Everything is tolerated in our country, in our universities, except Christian behavior. And so it needs to start in my personal life and infiltrate into our homes and our churches. And there needs to be this spiritual awakening so a revival can come. It happened hundreds of years ago. It can happen again today. And let me share a few points uh, with you about this uh, story. Number one, God's people must be reactive. God's people must be reactive. You see, Jonah reacted. It took a while for him to react. And he was the reason why the revival was being delayed in Nineveh. It's because of him because he did not react properly. And it's not because there was a wicked king per se. It's not because the people were wicked. It's because of the disobedience of Jonah. We read in 2 Chronicles 7:14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And folk, that word called, those who are called, my people are called by my name. That word kara means called from above. You're invited by God. We are men and women of God. We are renowned to be followers of Christ. When your friends look at you, how do they know you? Ah. Uh, pagan down the road, or that moron, or that immoral person, or do they know you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? What is your reputation before God? Because if you're carrying the name of Jesus, surely there must be congruency with obedience. Surely there's got to be balance with what we say, or who we say we are, and what we do, or else we are hypocrites, hypocrites, ones who fall below the standard. We say one thing, but we do something else. If my people who call by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, God will hear from heaven and he will heal our land. He will heal our hearts, are we called by God? You see, revival is not dependent on, on the media, on the politics in Canberra, on the politics or the condition of the rest of the world in our education system or in the corporate world. Why do we expect the corporate world to react in a Christian manner? They are just doing exactly what they're called to do, to be hardcore. But friends, as we are called by God, we need to live it out. There were three men who got together and they said, well, you know, the best way to pray is on our knees and even falling prostrate before God. Second man said, no way, it's better to, to pray with your arms up high in the, in the sky, praising God and praying to him like that. And a third man who was upside down in a well said, no matter where I am, I'm gonna pray to God. And the point is quite simply, do we first have to be upside down in a well before God calls us to pray to him? God wants us to pray to him every moment of the day because we're called by him. We're called by him. As one preacher said, the problem is the situation or in the situation is desperate, but God's people are not. I wonder how desperate we are. Oh, Christophides, you're starting off the the year a little bit fundamental. You're pushing it a little bit too far. Friends, it's not, because if I don't tell you these things, we're gonna lose our spiritual teeth at the beginning of the year. We all start off hot, but I wonder how we grow um, during the year. God calls us to pray, to humble ourselves, to cry out to him. I'm I'm reminded of Isaiah 59 verses 15 and 16 where it says, the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. There was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. And folk, that word displeased, raha, in the Hebrew means he was hurt. He was vexed. He was hurt in his heart. God looks and he says, who can I take to go and stand and speak for me. Now God might call us to the corner and with a loud hailer and to, to wax eloquent on the street corner. but other times he calls us to be faithful in just those little things where we are, wherever we are. to be a faithful father, faithful mother. Faithful grandfather, faithful grandmother, to be a faithful child, to be a faithful follower of Christ. That's where God calls us. And he says, I looked for somebody to speak on my behalf and there was no one. There was spiritual poverty because there was no one crying out to God. In Mark eleven seventeen, 17, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Prosephhi is the word prayer. It'll be set apart for the things of God. My house will be called a house of prayer. If you read in Acts chapter 13, where the mission movement started, where they set Paul and Barnabas aside, it started through prayer and fasting, through prayer and fasting. And I know what you're thinking, Christophides, it's time for you to fast, and I agree with you. But friends, we're all commanded to pray. We're all commanded to pray. We're all commanded to be responsive to the things of God. Revival in our church, revival in our lives. I wonder if we're ready for that. Not only are we to pray, we're also to speak out the things of God, to speak out the things of God. We're we're called uh, to, to go and tell people who we are, to tell people who we are. I was boasting about my little trolley that I got for Christmas that I can pull. I can put my, you know, my little when we go to baseball or do whatever. I can pull it in my little trolley. And how many times do I boast about the Lord Jesus Christ? How many people do I tell about, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ about the revival in my heart, perhaps? But I'm t- happy to tell them about the things of this world. Colossians four six says that we're to speak in love. To proclaim the good news. Let your conversation, the word conversation, in the Greek there, logos, may our words, our logos, the things that say that we say that matter, be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And that word answer, apokrinome, apokrinome, from and conclude, I need to be ready, seasoned with salt, my words. Because I'm convinced who reigns in my heart need to be prepared in and out of season. Bible says that our speech must be flavored uh, with salt. And folk, we know apart from water, salt is one of the the best ingredients that God has allowed us to ever have on this earth. It's used in so many things. And when there's salt in the food, you know about it. It's, It's a taste enhancer. In Matthew 5, 13, we're called to be salt and light. What is Jesus saying there on the Sermon on the Mount? Salt flavors, it changes, it preserves, and light shines. There is darkness everywhere. We don't need to create darkness. Darkness exists when you turn the light on. So what Jesus is saying, we need to respond. We need to respond like Jonah. Jeremiah 20, verse nine but if I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, that's what Jeremiah is saying. If I say I'm not going to talk about him anymore, you know what? I'm going to mind my own business. By the way, we're in Australia, each one to his own. If I say that, that I just mind my own business, I'm weary of holding it in. He says, I am weary. Laha. I'm tired. I'm disgusted. I am grieved within myself. Listen to what he says in holding it in. Indeed. I cannot, why? His word is in my heart like a fire, like fire in my bones. Wow, what am I full of? Because that's what will come out. What is in my bones? That's what will come out. Wow, interesting. So Jeremiah says, it must be like a volcano. It must come out, it must explode. What am I full of? God calls Jonah. Jonah. Problem, he didn't respond the first time. A lesson for you and me, we need to be responsive. Secondly, God's plan involves remorse. Praise God, Jonah repented of his sin of disobedience in following God. And, fact, you've heard me tell the story before. Um, you know, all we need to do to move away from the things of God is nothing. You go and you plant your umbrella in the sand at Cottesloe Beach and you walk straight in and before long the waves, the current nature has taken you to the one side or to the other side. By nature, you need to fight that current to stay in line with your umbrella. And so that's how it is in this world. All you need to do To move away from the right place is nothing. The world will take you by nature because that's how we are as human beings. God calls us to, to constantly come back to Him. When? On a daily basis. Because if we move far from Him, we stop hearing His voice. And all we need to do for that to happen is nothing. Is nothing. We need to constantly discipline ourselves. And so He calls us to repentance. In verse four, it says, in 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And folks, that's eight words in the English. In the Hebrew, it's only five words. A simple message of repentance. Turn, God is saying to them. So, so revival can start in their hearts. And So as they begin to, to change, what does the king say? He sends out this degree. I want everybody to put on sackcloth and ashes. And we know that sackcloth was an outward demonstration of people mourning because of repentance in their heart. And so he says to them, cry out to God. Cry out, call out to him. Um, you, you proclaim the good news about who he is. Why? Because there's remorse in my heart. I'm told that when you go to court and you've done something wrong, when the judge sees that you are sorry, that there is remorse, The sentence is less. Why? Because there is repentance in the heart. But an arrogant person who says, I did nothing wrong, needs to be taught a lesson. And here, thank God, there was remorse in in, uh, Jonah's heart because he didn't go to Nineveh the first time. And as he goes a second time and proclaims, be careful, judgment is coming. Repent, turn from your wicked ways. What happens? The king hears that and he calls the whole nation Not only the whole nation of people, even the animals. Even the animals. I mean, that's a sign of this king's heart. Wow, and they begin to repent. I read a story about the Welsh revival in 1904. Evan Roberts, a pastor, is called to pray. And as revival comes in his heart, so the revival begins to spread. And I'm told, folks, this is amazing. I'm told that those hard-working mules that used to carry the coal stopped working because when revival, listen to this, when revival came to people, to those men's and those women's uh, hearts, their language changed. Those donkeys only knew the F word. They only knew the F word and so when their hearts changed, their language changed, and so those donkeys couldn't understand the F word anymore. Or, the, Sorry, they only understood the F word. I won't give you an illustration. They only understood certain language. And so they had to retrain those donkeys, those mules, to start uh, understanding this new language. When God changes people's hearts, there are major changes if people are prepared to repent. In fact, in Acts 3.19, we read, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come to the Lord. There are some who go, well, I'm too bad to come. No, there is nothing bad enough that God cannot forgive. Nothing. If we change our hearts so God intervenes, it's an act of God. It's not up to me. It's an act of God. We need to be born From above. Not this born again, bad translation. Born from above. When he comes and penetrates my heart, there needs to be remorse. Thirdly, God's heart is for renewal. (laughs) Interesting how Jonah goes uh, in chapter four and uh, after he goes and there's repentance, he goes and sits outside the city. He has a little pity party. And God, in his grace, allows a plant to grow over him so big that it gives him a bit of shade. And while Jonah is there being protected, he says, God, why don't you just wipe them out? Why don't you just get rid of them? They're bad people. Many times I'm like a Jonah and go, God, those who ridicule you, those who use your name in vain, those who laugh at Christianity, those who say that we are fundamentalists because, you know, this Bible is old and, you know, we we need to become, uh, you know, a bit more modern in our thinking. I go, Lord, wipe them out. (laughs) And I don't even have a kind of any anger in my heart. Lord, just wipe them out. It's such a small thing for you to do, God. Wipe them out. Let them learn their lesson. Put them on their knees, Lord. In fact, put them on their faces so they can turn to you. Mm -mm, No, that's not what God wants. While he's having this pity party and God allows that plant to grow over him and protect him, God also allows a worm to grow in that and destroys that plant to show that God is in total control. Folk, God is not slow. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient. That Greek word patience, makrothymia. Macro, big, thymia, remembering. God is long in his remembrance. Imagine if God had to wipe us out every time we did something wrong. The church would be empty this morning. But praise God. That he is long suffering with us. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's 2 Peter 3 9. God is long spirited, he's long suffering, he is forbearing. See, God's compassion for people is not judgment, but grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. And he wants people to be. Uh, to come before him, and he wants to forgive them. And so after repentance, after remorse, comes renewal. So God doesn't want us to go to a lost place, but he wants us to spend eternity with him. And finally, God's power includes a revival. Imagine if you were walking on one of the, the beaches in the Mediterranean Sea, And you see this man being spat out full of kind of seaweed and kelp and uh, the whales floating there and here he comes and he says, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. It's as if this man was dead and now he's become alive again. Imagine if he stands up there after being missing for three days and they cannot find him and he comes back, imagine what the media would have said. Imagine what people would have said. He was dead, and now he's come alive again. But folk, that is a foretaste of who Jesus Christ is. We're told that. In Matthew twelve forty to 41, it says, for as Jonah, and this is Jesus speaking, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now one greater than Jonah is here. You see, Jonah was looking forward and so not that he was resurrected from the dead like Jesus, not at all, but there is this hope of of revival because of what Jonah said. And as you and I go out, folk, we don't go out alone. Jesus doesn't uh, doesn't give us a a prescription on how we should live here and say, go and do it in your own strength. That's setting us up for failure. He has given us his Holy Spirit. He wants the Holy Spirit to penetrate deep down and for us to take him. He's our source of power. No wonder we read in Romans 8-11, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Here is a challenge. If we are truly born from above, if we are truly born from above, if we know that we've entered into a relationship with Christ, don't settle for second best. Don't settle for second best. Long for God to revive your heart. Because as we go out and our hearts have been revived, so our culture will change. So our sports clubs will change. The marketplace, our schools, our homes, our neighborhoods will change. Why? Because there is hope that God is on our side. Stories told of an occasion when John Wesley was very depressed from the burden of ministry one morning, he came down to breakfast with a forlorn look in his face. His wife, Mrs. Wesley, looked at him and excused herself from the breakfast table. She went upstairs and put on a black dress she reserved for funerals. She came back down, and John Wesley said, who died? Mrs. Wesley said, well, God did. Didn't you hear? Wesley said, you're speaking like a foolish woman. Mrs. Wesley said, Well, I see no evidence in you today that he is alive. I see no evidence that he is alive. And, friends, that's the truth. In Matthew 16 18, Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. As each one of us, each one of us, and in your heart. And so, God's people must respond. God's plan involves remorse and God's heart is for renewal. But friends, God's power is for revival, not to be just lukewarm, just coast along if I can make it just into heaven, if I can slip in by the skin of my teeth. No, you wanna be able to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Why? Because we've used what God has given us, we've used that so well for his honor, and for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Lord, most of all, we thank you that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Lord, but you long that we don't stay the same. You long for us to grow closer and closer to you. So won't you come, Lord Jesus, renew us, Refresh us, revive us, Lord. The Beginning of another year, we pray that, Lord, we might not be setting New Year's resolutions and then running away from them a month later. Lord, that we might be staying faithful and calling for revival to come in our hearts. Just as you used one disobedient Jonah, use us, Lord for your honor, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.